Hello and welcome to the Change in Education podcast. As the UK's largest education business partnership, the Change in Education group delivers the best in-class work experience and careers management services. Why not find out more? Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk and send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. In this week's podcast, we ask, should schools give their students more autonomy when it comes to searching for work experience placements? Hello and a very warm welcome to the Changing Education podcast. My name is Amos Madri, your host. I'm joined by directors Stephen Hackney and Matthew Hodgkinson. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Matthew, starting with you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Amos. Uh, better than you, I believe. You've just told me that you've tested positive for coronavirus, so I'm glad we're doing this virtually and not side by side, but I'm, I'm, I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I was going to ask you if you wanted to go out for a drink, but it sounds like I've been turned down. I'll have a virtual drink with you anytime, Amos. <laughs> Steve, a warm welcome to you. And how are you today? Yeah, all good. Just uh, navigating the uh, the roads back towards home after having a few meetings and I've met old Matt as well. So, yeah, all good. Ready to go. I believe we've got no guests today. No, no guests. It's just the three of us back to uh, the ways that we used to do it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting, though, because I think it's a topic that we're all very passionate about. We feel, uh, you know, skills have, you know, their part to play. It's about independence, you know. Do you, do skills give students, especially those preparing for the world of work, the independence that they need? Matthew, I know you're passionate about this. Let's start with you. Where do you stand on this? You know what? Well, how far do I go in this podcast with this? I'm, I'm torn. Some schools are fantastic. Other schools are absolutely awful. Stephen, I promise not to name any names. But if any school out there wants to drop me an email and say, is it me you're talking to? Then I'll be honest with them. It may well be. We have, we have this age-old saying, don't we, when a young person goes to school, they go to college, they go to university, and then they come out of university expecting to be paid £45,000 a year because that expectation has come from every single aspect of their life being put on a plate for them. And the employer then, when this student is aged 23, 24, even 25 years, because they might have gone and, and travelled around Australia like a lot of them do as well, they're coming into a society that will chew them up and bit them out and Stephen that one me I mean Steve can speak for himself but I I want to stop that happening I want to stop these 25 year olds being left disillusioned expecting every single workplace to be paying them thousands and thousands of pounds a year for them to sit drinking their coconut chai tea latte whatever they're drinking now I may be being slightly flippant but I will give you many many examples throughout this podcast where we see poor practice and i'll tell you I'll, I'll, I'll let you know of many examples where we see good practice and i'll back it up with statistics in terms of our top performing schools in certain areas of the uk because i think i think geographical locations certain demographics have got a part to play in this as well and sometimes it's not always as we as we've seen sometimes it's not always oh those those areas in particular 
city where those nice areas well they must have students that are real go-getters no not at all we, we we'll see the, the the truth of this and there's a lot of people who think they're doing well by these students and i tell you if they listen to the organizations who feed back to say what have you been taught at school you really think that this is going to turn out well for you having everything provided for you on a plate well i tell you what go to another job interview because you're not going to work here my lad yeah i mean i think that's really interesting you know you mentioned this um a while back on one of our podcasts you know students expecting to start out on forty-five thousand a year and i remember going through an interview with one student and explaining to them about a particular job and they said uh, the job starts at twenty-five thousand, and the student turned around is that it i said what do you mean is that it? I'm 25,000. How am I going to live? They may have thought, Amos, they might have thought per week you were talking about. <laughs> Steve, what was your thoughts on that then? You know, are they uh, living a, a lie? You know, is is it time for reality to hit them? Or should schools be doing more to, you know, in, explain to them the, the truth out there? The cost of living's going up. Wages are staying st still. Uh well, I've got first-hand experience. I've got uh, three lads. One is uh, in year eight. One is just left uh, school from year 11. He's gone into college. And I've got an elder one who is 25 that went uh, to university and now is in employment. And I can tell you that my eldest uh, moved out uh, and has now moved back home because... He can't afford to uh, operate um, the lifestyle that he wants and obviously to afford to run a home. And he's on a moderately good salary straight from university. Uh, but I think he was, he, was, he was somewhat measured by me regarding a reality regarding uh, his career pathway and his income. He's earning, uh, should we say, £25,000 probably now as a starting point at 25 uh, and there, there is listen we, we there is students who are well educated and well supported uh, who understand the complexities of um, running uh, running a household um, and obviously the, the reality of what salaries are available uh, and then if you if you think about uh, some students who will be leaving school and won't be taking a traditional route uh, to a career and perhaps they might have chose to take a different route such as an internship, uh, apprenticeship, a traineeship. I mean, some students will be getting a salary straight away uh, and some students won't be getting a salary at all. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think the way that we measure this, I remember uh, when I was in the NHS, uh, you know, you've got doctors who will spend five years in university then they'll go on to do their uh, house officer and they'll start off in, in, in when I was there, they were, you know, less than 20, 23,000 pounds a year. And that's for somebody who's uh, spent five years learning the medical trade to go in and start work, even though it's obviously still learning. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, there is definitely a miscommunication or as a, as a, there's not a balance in the force when it comes to uh 
knowledge, uh, expectations, uh, pragmatic approaches to preparing people for not just work but for life. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that answers the question. I think it just poses more and more questions, doesn't it? Absolutely interesting perspective, Matthew. You know, hearing that. You know, what can we do as an organization to help schools, to help their pupils to get a grasp of reality and to understand you're not walking into a 45,000 job? Uh, they need to listen to us. They need to listen to this podcast. They need to come and spend time with Steve and I and uh, not ask any questions and just be dictated to and listen and, and, and listen intensively to what we've got to say. Uh, all jokes apart, I'm going to add one more comment to this. I see this very similar to a career in the army, where you leave school, you go into the army, everything, three square meals a day, everything is done for you. You have routine, and then you leave the army, and then we have a we have a whole generation, well, a, a whole a whole population of people that can no longer fit into society because they haven't had the skills taught by the British Army to be able to, uh, you know, to, to fit into society and get a job. So I see this quite similar, that may be quite an extreme scenario, but I do view it the same, that young people are now accessing school, they're accessing college, university, and then they stop, and then they're actually accessing welfare supports. Now they shouldn't be, they should be straight into a career. But because there's misguided communication along the way, if I link it to what we can do and what we currently are doing, well, as, you, as our listeners know, we provide and support schools managing and tracking their work placements, their work experience programs throughout the UK. We work with a huge number of schools. Now, some schools tell their students, you need to go out and find a work placement. Now, Going out finding a work placement is, is, is a whole life experience in itself. We could talk about the benefits all day long about young person doing that. They're colossal. Everything from just knocking on the door, asking questions and doing something for yourself. And it may also involve getting knockbacks, which we all know are very, very important in life because we want those knockbacks to come as soon as possible. We don't want those knockbacks to come at 25 years old because that could be damaging because then they've really got to reassess their uh, their career pathway. But those knocks come as soon as possible. Therefore, they should be coming at the work experience age, which is 14, 15 or 16 in this case that we're talking about. Now, when a school decides to provide all the work placements for that young person on a plate, and all they need to do is turn up on the Monday morning, well, it creates a problem. That's not real. Nobody's ever given me a job in my life ever. And the second thing is, how much like, how much does that young person value the opportunity? Are they going to turn up on Monday morning? What's in it for them? And when we see the colossal numbers that schools are asking us to search and match young people with, we do it because it's it, it's it's our business to do so. But we don't necessarily I don't necessarily agree with it. Some young people need support. They don't have the networks available to them to go out and say, hey, hey, daddy, hey, mummy, hey, parent, guardian, can you find me a work placement? Some people have the luxury of that. 
for the ones that don't have that, we're more than happy to support them. I think everybody who hasn't got contacts deserves a peg up. But when we have schools in very, very affluent areas of the UK, I'm talking grammar schools, I'm talking fee paying schools that provide young people with a work placement, and they all, all they have to do is turn up on a Monday morning. I don't think that is teaching the right method. I don't think that's teaching the right values. I don't think those values are going to support a young person in excelling in their career. Maybe they're already lined up in the family business. I don't know. But ultimately, it doesn't do, it, it, it's a costly method. It also doesn't bridge the gap between the school and their local education partners because there's nobody better placed to find a work placement than the young person themselves. Nine times out of 10, when an adult calls on behalf of a young person, and if I was the organization on the other end of the phone, I'd be asking the question, I wanna to speak to the young person. I wanna to speak to this person directly before they turn up on my doorstep on a Monday morning, which is why it's part of the Change Education Group. We ensure or we ask when we provide a placement to a young person that before they turn up on Monday morning, within the, within the letter that we provide and the narrative that we suggest to the school is that they must make contact at the very least. Do not just assume that the workplace will welcome you with open arms on a Monday morning if you haven't even bothered to call after somebody else has found you a workplace as well. So, for me, there is, I'm looking at some stats now. We, you know, we're having to bring to the table three and a half thousand work placements this year. We can manage that. We can manage that. We do have links. We, we, we have the most extensive data set in the UK of any EBP business. But away from that, I don't think that's the right model. I don't think that's the right model at all. I think young people should be told as part of Gatsby benchmarking, as part of their curriculum, to go out and access contacts. Contacts can be given to them, but they need to go out and follow them through and access them, not the other way around. I just don't think it does, I don't think it does anything for their growth at all. That is absolutely fascinating. Steve, you know, listening to that, you know, Matthew gave some great points in terms of, you know, when schools should be supporting their students in terms of preparing for the world of work. You mentioned 13, 14 there. Uh, we're looking at schools as uh, institutionalized uh, systems who've got a, a method in place which works for them. Uh, you could call it a tick box exercise, get the student through this. And that's it. We've done our job. Um, some of these skills that Matthew mentioned are perhaps uh, in more affluent places where the students probably thinking this job I'm doing, I won't be doing in the future because I'll be doing a white collar job at daddy's firm. So I don't really need to know anything about blue collar work right now. How can we address that? How can we get them to be independent and proactive regardless of where they're from? Um, and how can we get schools out of that trial system that they've had for so long, being institutionalised for so long, to, to, to embrace change and to start thinking about the future? Uh, I mean, well, it's it, it is, the simple solutions are the hardest to, uh, to implement. And actually, if I consider... Um, the weeks that has gone by and the solutions that we spoke about and, and, and the 
ideas you've had to individualize uh, the way that we educate our young people and then take that and specifically focus on you know employability skills life skills and social skills obviously every interaction a student has through life either within education or in the home setting will um, should um, build key skill sets as part of that just ongoing development however at what point does the student um, just through maturity fully understand the importance of developing those skills and then would you know understand the link between why work experience is important and then the, the secondary part of that is that why uh, should they find why should they be tasked with finding a work placement um, and, and then from that the reward that will be that they will feel when they actually do find a work placement and then the greater bond they will have with the employer because they're the people that have been, uh, you know, in contact. You know, that's just one, just one scenario of a, of a, of a if you're in, if you're standard, uh, if you're standard learning environment within key stage five and key stage four is five years and you think about the time set aside for, we'll call it alternative learning uh, to do with your, uh, the you know to do with your life skills social skills employability skills career progression you know if, if you looked at that balance and then we decided that that kind of learning is equally as important as it is to uh to the standard you know the, the, the standardized curriculum to do with qualifications and obviously qualifications are important as, as, a, as, as one part of the foundation for that young person to be successful and be driven but they're not the be-all and I would suggest that I mean Amos you'll be able to tell me because you, you've seen the wider career delivery model models is that if um, if the careers um, if the, the wider career delivery model is only you know two percent or three percent of that young person's learning environment over a five-year period then then obviously there's going to be limited time to support that young person to understand these additional skills that they will need when they go into the world of work. So, you know, this 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 notion of individualised learning, and 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 we talked last week about what the week before about what is what is success. Uh, and I don't know. I just feel that you know to change all that would be is colossal. And and you know, what value is put on somebody? You know, we talk about destinations. Which is the priority, uh, or should they all be the priority? If one, if 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 being successful in your GCSEs is the number one priority uh, overall, the other kind of learning experiences that would strengthen your CV or your transition, then uh, that will uh, obviously skewer the time that's available to to support that young person. But if you were to consider, if Destinations are important, obviously, but if the destination outcome was based on a young person having, you know, you know, um, excellent life skills, social skills, employability skills, and a rational view at career progression and and uh, industry, then if that was a priority, then you would see a shift. But there's definitely not a balance at the minute regarding the time on the curriculum, and so 
I'm no expert to do that. I just, I, you know, the, the issues there, how you fix that issue, I, I don't know, Raymond. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and 2%, Steve, would be a very fortunate st student. I don't think they even get that. You know, Matthew, you hear what Steve said, you know, these are practical skills that they need, life skills. So important. Um, speaking to a, speaking to a doctor not long ago, and he said exactly the same thing to me. He said the one thing that set him apart was those life skills, working in the charity shop. Uh, we had the two doctors as well the other week mentioned the same thing. Uh, I spoke to a student earlier this week, and she's, she was frustrated with the lack of independence and being able to go out there and look for that work experience of yourself because the school just had her in this in this lock which she just couldn't get away from so the question has to be asked then so if everybody is if, if industry is talking this way and and these these high-flying business experts and people that are top of top of their professions such as you know the two doctors that we had a couple of weeks ago if we're all saying it then then why 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 is no action being taken why are we still saying the same things is it because you know there is a the gap is is wider than what we anticipated the, the gap between education and school uh, so the gap between education and the workplace that that gap is, is still too wide that the the noise isn't getting across i don't know i don't know or oh, all we can do is do things like this podcast and invite you know bright minds onto it when we have guest speakers that talk about talk about their experiences and and really a lot of them will say you know what school taught me this much and i taught myself the rest and we do see that i personally see that as uh, as as a common theme especially with the age of the internet and the age of independence that a lot of young people, the high flyers, if we were to bring on the brightest of minds, people that are the self-starters, the people that exude those qualities that we look for. And I think I can say the collective we, you know, you, yourself and Steve, we, we, we sit similarly in terms of, of, of our values and what we expect. I, I think there is a common trait that they learn more outside of the classroom. So it is for me it's not a, it's not a it's not a complex debate in terms of you know these skills it for me it's these kids are better than you think they're yeah, much I, stronger than you think absolutely do you think this goes to a deeper debate about the proletariat is this about keeping the I don't know certain parts in of society within you know that I don't know uh, you know that sector keep them there that's what they do that's that's them I, 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 white particular listen there's there's probably that's quite it's quite deep I, you know me and you need to discuss that probably you know over a drink or something but I, I i agree with that concept i think that there's certain there's always certain agendas in society at play and people have their own agendas i would never though want to jeopardize a young person's future with any kind of agenda if this if this one person can fly let them fly if 20 people can fly let them fly don't put don't put a barrier in the way and if that is a school teacher who thought well, you know what it never worked for me so i'm not gonna I'm, I'm just gonna teach the same way that i've always taught well think again 
you know, you've, just because you're a school teacher in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and you've always done it a certain way, change, change your ways. These young people are different these days. You give them an opportunity, watch them fly, watch them fly. But if, you, if they attend a workplace and assemble and they're told, don't worry, the change education group are going to find all your placements for you. I don't think that is letting them fly, is it? I think that's the opposite. I think that's shackling them. Because what if they wanted to do something completely different? What if they had their own workplace that lined up? What is being told? We can't be in all these schools. But I'll tell you one thing. When we do go into a school, and from personal experience, when I personally, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here. We have great members of staff that also go into schools, including yourself, Amos and do workplace and launch assemblies. But there is a correlation between an external speaker from industry going to a school and asking young people what they want to do with their lives, uh, where do you want to work? And then the number of students who then go and source their own workplace and experience and have a better time. There is a, there is a, a significant correlation. When that doesn't happen, there is a correlation between the school seeking more placements from us and to spoon feed the young people. Now we're not, we haven't got, you know, a hundred arms and a hundred legs. We can't be in all these places at once. So we have to look for a standardized approach to it. And it might be, you know, shown a video. We can't always confirm that that video has been shown at the school. I think that this is no, this is not disrespectful to uh, Mr. Smith. At, at uh, you know Woodland School, for argument's sake, and I have just made that up. That is completely fictitious. But Mr. Smith at Woodland School may have been doing the same assembly on interpersonal skills and on uh, work experience for the past 15, 20 years. Now I know that does happen. Now, with all due respect to Mr. Smith and Woodland School, he's saying the same thing every single year to these students. But industry is moving so quickly; it's going, it's going, it's going. So I would get a, I would get a new Mr. Smith, to be honest. <laughs> Fascinating. A new Mr. Smith. Uh, Steve, you know, is this a case of finances? Is this a case of resources or being resourceful? Um, I, there is a lot, a lot of more uh, educated people on this subject. And uh, I think we just had the same conversation uh, 10, 11 years ago that was brought to the attention uh, of educators uh, back in 2011 by the Secretary of State who commissioned the Wolf Report. Everything we just spoke about here is in the Wolf Report. And the Wolf Report uh, is, is something that anyone's listening, go on Google, uh, the Wolf Report, Review of Vocational Education. And um, the Wolf Report is really quite interesting because it was completed by a Professor Alison Wolf from King's College London, and she was tasked to look at the um, vocational education uh, of young people and really with emphasis on looking how individualised uh, and um, how the curriculum really does support a young person to progress into the labour market. Um, and the report basically identifies everything we just said. You said about the two percent of those, you know, the different learning environments. So, um, yeah, 
if you if we read the Rolf report and and and, and you, we just read, went through it, we just talked about the same thing we spoke about 11 years ago. Might I'll give you two years off because of COVID because it's been challenging. Uh, but uh, we we really, you know, she said that you know that we we still have a system whereby back then five GCSEs C and above was uh, is the benchmark for success, and it wasn't really an environment that did encourage. The development of vocational skills, including you know those additional skills you need to make that transition to employment and to different labour markets. So, uh, I, I I've got the solution and, and the ideas and the recommendations to how educators can help bridge that gap are in that report. Uh, and you know, and this is something that you know we'd hope that it would have been picked up. Uh, you know, and it is in the Ofsted. It is in the Ofsted inspection uh, aspect of the report. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I just feel that um, until we get that that percentage of learning and that environment altered, uh, we are going to struggle and we are going to then lead to young people not understanding uh, what it's like fully in the world of work and the skills that are needed away from the qualifications needed and I still think that gap is quite big and if we don't alter the percentage of learning for to careers and work-based learning and essential skills development uh, and, and spend more time on it then we will have groups of young people that will be have had this huge support since uh, reception and they get to year 11 or they get to uh, leave sixth form and they and then or they leave university and they're dropped into this uh, this world of employment that can, can can be big and scary, big and scary, and you know some people succeed and some people don't need this, and some people have got resilience, and that's fine. But we're really talking about those young people that we perhaps could have predicted they were going to struggle, and actually we could have done more with them. Yeah, you know uh, it's uh, that old analogy, isn't it? We've always done it this way, uh, and when you you know stick with that, that's when you know you're in trouble. Matthew, uh, what's your final remarks for our audience here today? Uh, I mean, I hope I haven't upset anybody listening because some people might think, "Oh, that's what we do," and 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 or oh, we don't do that. But we, uh, you know, we've taken some, uh, we've taken a lot of guidance from what's been said here by Steve and I and yourself, Amos. But it's not really to get anybody's knickers in a twist. It really is, you know, when we listen to the experts out there in industry, they all say to me, they all say the same things. So I think we just need to uh, to listen to those experts, and obviously, you know, specifically when it comes to the work that we do with schools, uh, listen, there's change that we can make. But I think that uh, the schools, we we are the experts in what we do. We've been doing this for a long time. We've built systems. Uh, don't stand in our way. Work with us in, in the nicest possible way uh, difficult to say those words probably, probably can be a little bit more diplomatic than that but ultimately if you employ an outside agency work with them they've developed systems for a reason they do this every day they speak to employers they know what employers want and they want your students to be on it approachable have all those interpersonal skills reaching out to them directly because that way they will know straight away if 
if that's the right person for them. But also, even if it's not the right person, they nine times out of ten still give that young person opportunity because they want to assist them in their uh, in, in in their career as well. So I'd uh, I'd say look, if you may not feel you're putting barriers up, but have an independent viewpoint. Go up in a little helicopter look at your practices within your schools in terms of work experience we'll use that just as this example and try and release your students you know release the uh, the shackle that you may have indirectly placed upon them and uh, you'll be surprised you'll be surprised in what they can do we get the feedback from employers they're better than you think <laughs> cheers <laughs> yeah absolutely brilliant steve any final words from you uh well you know to be positive I, I think you know we as we said a lot of the population of young people naturally just grow up and some of this stuff will come naturally to them and then they will succeed without guidance as today today is really for those young people that perhaps we the percentage of young people that uh, weren't ready or would struggle to make that transition that we probably knew about and you know we could do something about that Brilliant. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow. Um, you know, time goes by so quickly. A really topical issue. Uh, I'm sure we'll be coming back to this again very soon. Uh, for But for you, our audience, you know, what's your thoughts on all this? Uh, is, is there something that, you know, Matthew said, I said, Steve said that perhaps you disagree with, or if you agree with us as well, we'd still love to know. Uh, get in touch with us. Our email address is info at co.uk and of course you can visit us online changingeducation.co.uk from steve from matthew and from myself until next week take care bye, -bye.